This morning marks a little bit of a different kind of Sunday morning. Most often at Neighborhood Bible Church, in case you're new, what you will see during this time is a person from the front opening the Word of God to a very specific text and minister the Word here. That means that we, we believe in no other method than ministry of the Word and prayer here. That's what we think is going to cause effect in, in this valley, in our lives. That's the normal thing. In three weeks, we will begin a series in the book of Romans. So if you want to be reading ahead and kind of studying ahead and understanding where we'll be going as a church, the book of Romans would be a great place to start. We're going to begin in chapter 1. We thought that would be prudent. But for the next three weeks, we have a little bit of a different kind of services planned. And here's why. Uh, in three Sundays, November 6th, it marks our 10th birthday. So uh, hopefully when you pulled on the campus this morning, you saw a little bit different look. Normally we don't have awesome Dr. Seuss-looking trees decorating our front lawn, but we do this week because we have a party. And we thought that 10 years was worth celebrating for three weeks. So we're starting early on that. And here's sort of the format. We're going to take this Sunday and next Sunday to kind of have a family gathering, to kind of talk in-house and discuss a few things. Each Sunday, this week and next week, is going to have sort of a look-back component, looking at the last 10 years and celebrating the kindness of God on this church. We want to recount and tell the stories of God's mercy on this place and some of the things that he's done. But it's not just about looking back, it's also about looking forward. So each Sunday is going to have a look back component, but also a look forward component, so that you can understand as a church where we believe as elders of this church, God is leading us to go. So look back, look forward, and then each Sunday, this week and next week, there's going to be a corporate prayer component to this, um, where we're going to get to just pray as a church in this group. Um, Most often, uh, we believe our community groups are sort of our weekly prayer meeting where we have groups of people from our church gathering to pray uh, here on site in different homes around the valley. Uh, It's often hard to get a group like this into a prayer meeting, but that's what we're going to do. We're just going to kind of break up a little bit at the end and commit ourselves to the Lord afresh. The third week, so November 6th, is a first Sunday of the month. Normally we do a welcome lunch. That Sunday is going to be entirely focused on on an outreach, on on allowing the neighborhood to come and perhaps experience the gospel, perhaps experience Neighborhood Bible Church for the very first time. And here's sort of how we thought about it. Uh, I have a kindergarten uh, this year. I tend to have a kindergartner every few years. That's just my life. But I happen to have one right now. And a few days into school, my kid was invited to a birthday party by another child that he's known for a whopping four days from kindergarten. You know why? Because in kindergarten, you haven't met a stranger, right? You just invite the whole class. You're naive enough to think that everyone would want to come your birthday party, and that's an amazing thing. That's a beautiful thing. So here's what we thought. We thought on November 6th, let's be naive enough to just invite wide and and open the entire neighborhood to come to our birthday party, okay? Here's how we're going to do this. Um, In the back, primarily the people that will come are connected to you. God has you in a cubicle. God has you in a neighborhood. God has you in a family. Um, God has you in a school for a very specific reason. Uh, In the back, we have provided... Um, tons of choices because we're Americans and we wouldn't want anyone to just pick one thing for us. So we have about six choices back there and they are blank uh, invitations to our birthday party on November 6th. This means that I am going to take a couple of these. I have a couple of very specific neighbors in mind. I'm going to fill out their name. I'm going to let them know where and when and how to RSVP. And I'm going to personally invite a couple of people to our birthday party. What I want you is to do the same thing. Okay? So 
Before you leave for service today, do not forget to hit the back tables and grab a couple. We will provide as many as you'll invite. Uh, the Saturday before our birthday party, so I think that's the 29th of October, um, we are going to actually walk the neighborhood and hit about 100 homes right across the street and right across the street and kind of personally walk that and, and invite the, those neighbors as well. On that Sunday, uh, there's going to be just a massive birthday party going on that's going to that's going to be started here in the worship service and kind of flow out into food and amazingness. Okay. Um, also, there's two services that Sunday because we're going to combine our Spanish-speaking service uh, and our English-speaking service. And so the second service, we're at nine o'clock and at ten forty-five. The ten forty-five is going to be bilingual. So we're just going to do everything in Spanish and English, and then and then bleed out into uh, into our birthday party fun. So. This morning, I want to start by, uh, by asking this big question. Periodically, we have just taught and thought as a community, what is a church? That's a really big question. It's something we ought to understand. What is a church? Uh, a long time ago, some of you were here for this, we did a series called Church in HD. Uh, this is how long ago it was. No one had HD TVs. Like, just the, the like, super, like, into video stuff had HD TVs in their home. Now a lot of people do because Costco sells them for like four bucks, I think. It's crazy. Um, but we wanted to get a clear picture. Like what, what would it look like to have a really, really clear picture of what the church is supposed to be? Fortunately, the Bible gives us some, some uh, very clear definitions of that. With each biblical metaphor that we looked at, what we saw was this. There are certain expectations and requirements that go with that metaphor. There are certain prohibitions, things that you should never do onto that metaphor, and then there's a specific nuance shade that is sort of added to our mission. What are we supposed to be about? What are we supposed to be doing as a church? And as we looked at each biblical metaphor, it sort of, it sort of gave us this really three-dimensional view. Um, again, some of you, this is review, but, but the biblical picture of family was looked at. And look, think about the church as family uh, reminded us to welcome new members in. It, it reminds us to give ample space to learn love and grace and forgiveness and forbearance, all those things that we need to learn in our own kind of nuclear family. We also looked at the biblical metaphor of the body. The church's body teaches us that we all belong to each other. And even though an earlobe and a stomach look really different, every part is needed. And every part's been wired and created and designed by God. So just because someone doesn't look like you, that's probably a great thing. Because they're a part of the body and their gifting and, and their look and the way they go about things and their function is entirely different than yours. We also looked at the, the biblical picture of a flock. That we are sheep and that Jesus is the chief shepherd and we are sheep in his flock. And this reminded us to always look to the shepherd and never leave his voice. Finally, we looked at us as the bride. And as the bride of Christ, it reminds us to be pure. It is utterly prohibited for a bride to go after another lover. And so we've committed ourselves wholeheartedly to Jesus. We also realize that we are in a faithful, devoted, and loving relationship. At least one way to think about the church is that the church is the unstoppable movement of the people of God. 
A great thing to think about in terms of our mission is the Great Commission that he's given to all believers in all time. And, and of course, this applies to us collectively. Found in Matthew 28, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach, the, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Let me give you two very quick ideas about discipleship making. Number one, discipleship making is both an event and a journey. So we are to go and make disciples. And many in this room can recount a time when they submitted their lives and they repented of their sins and they gave control to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's an event. Baptism just solidified that event. And you can think, we had a baptism here a couple of weeks ago, and you can remember the tangible uh, reminder that we go under the water to be buried with Christ and we're raised in newness of life. That is an event. But becoming a disciple is both an event and a journey. So some of you are thinking back right now, 20 years. Because you've been walking with the Lord Jesus Christ for 20 years. And what you would say is that second piece, teach them to obey and observe all that I've commanded, is still going on, right? That's the process of sanctification. As God weans us off of this life and fills us with his spirit and we grow. We like to say this around this church. Come as you are, but don't stay that way. Come as you are is a wide open invitation that for you to come and participate in a worship service at Neighborhood Bible Church, there is a very low threshold. We all get in the same way. It's just a humbling process to come and say, I'm here, God, I need you. So from whatever state you've been found, you found yourself in in this life, man, the door is wide open. But when you get exposed to the word of God, it's like a mirror. And if you come here long enough... I won't really offend you. Ben won't really offend you. Kel won't really offend you. Whoever's preaching, the word of God will offend your sensibilities if you're living in the flesh. Amen? And so you have a choice. Come as you are, but don't stay that way. My longing would be that if you've been in our midst for very long, you would say, man, my life is changing. I'm on the move. Some people move right on out of here. <laughs> they've, stayed, they've stayed for a couple of weeks and they can't handle it. Some came for a few weeks, left because it was too offensive, it was too grinding, it was too raw, and they found themselves back. And God has transformed their life as they've sat under the teaching of God's word. So the first thing is that discipleship making is both an event and a journey. Secondly is this, disciples are not mass produced, they are individually made. Therefore, we don't, we have not tried to land on the magic cure of how to move people along in sort of this really efficient, trust me, as a leader, friends, I wish it was just so efficient. I wish we could just kind of put people in this thing and say, great, everyone graduated, now we're on to this, now we're on to this. That's not how disciples are made. I want you to consider very quickly the arrowhead. The arrowhead is unique. It's handmade. I used to go hunting for these at Clear Lake with my grandpa. We'd go around the woods, and he had jars and jars filled with arrowheads. You ever seen an arrowhead? No two arrowheads are the same. I keep an arrowhead sitting just below my monitor. I see it every single day. It's a reminder that disciples aren't mass-produced. 
The longer I do this as a pastor, the more tempted I would feel to go, as someone's explaining something to me, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got this. This is this category. Let me give this answer, and I'm done. Man, that's efficient. Silicon Valley people love efficient. That's not how disciples are made. God, this is a unique soul in front of me, the person that you're witnessing to, the person that you're loving. They are unique individuals. They are handmade. How is an arrowhead made but by, by chipping away unnecessary parts? Doesn't that sound like a disciple of Jesus Christ? Doesn't that sound like sanctification? Doesn't chipping away unnecessary parts hurt? Yeah. It's an ongoing process. Finally, it has a point. I mean that in two very specific things. One is that it has a sharp actual point, right? That's an arrowhead. But it also has a very specific purpose. An arrowhead isn't made as a decorative thing like we might use it now. An arrowhead fits on the end of an arrow, thank you, and it's used very specifically uh, to fly through the air and to penetrate something and, and do something. And that's true of a disciple too. God isn't messing with us. God isn't chipping away to make just sort of a thing that's going to hang on a wall. We have a very specific function as a disciple. We don't want to lose sight of that. As elders, we believe that maturing disciples are growing and passionately involved in these three areas. Number one is this, a loving, deepening relationship with God. Number two is this, a committed and loving relationship with the family of God. God doesn't cause us to be born again and then leave us on the streets unattached to a family. God puts us in a family. And number three is that we'd be serving and sharing with people. As you look at our church, we've programmed quite intentionally around these three things. Can you just do this really explicitly and we miss saying this periodically? The worship service isn't the start or end of your worship week. It is an ongoing continuation. If I canceled church next week, not that I even have the authority to do that, but if I just said, we're not having this service next week, could you worship next Sunday? Yes. I would expect that you would continue your worship just like you did on Saturday. Has anyone done chores in the last 24 hours? Raise your hand. Much to the chagrin of my family, we did chores, right? We can worship during chores. That's a whole other sermon. We'll talk about that another time. But, but we can and do worship God while we do chores. You worship by the way you come in here. You worship while you're here. You worship as you walk out the door. But the worship services are where we come and do that corporately. Secondly, we have community groups. And community groups are trying to get at this notion that we live in a really busy valley. If you don't carve out time for relationships, you will go a month and you'll go, and we still should get together for that coffee. We still need to really catch up. Is that true of anyone else? So we just say, we're carving out. For me, it's Thursday night, 7 o'clock till 8.30. And and I'm going to do everything in my power to carve out time to look my brothers in the face and to open the word of God and to pray for one another and to be together. That's nurturing family relationship. Thirdly, with the idea of, of share, we don't really program share, but we do have certain share opportunities. When you go walk the neighborhood handing out invitations, that is an opportunity to share. So much sharing uh, just goes on throughout the week that's outside the control of the church. Praise God for that. That's how we long for it and want it to work. What you can see here is this. There's a certain progression to things. It all starts with worship. It moves on to community and relating with the people of God. As God uh, is, is worshipped by you and in relationship with you and puts you in a family, you are 
not to, to just ping pong back and forth and enjoy that holy huddle. You are to move out with it. Go and make disciples of all nations. On the front of your bulletin is a play button. I want you to look at that for just a moment. <clears throat> Most of us touch a little triangle. If you're a music lover, you do this every day without fail. Or an audiobook listener or a listener of Scripture Online. You touch a little triangle with your thumb, with your forefinger, with a little mouse that you move on your mouse pad. You click this little triangle. We think this triangle is sort of a great metaphor what we're doing as a church. Here's why. It's sort of common and regular, and we can get to a place where we don't even really think about it. But when you push that button, it's an act of faith. You push it on faith. Very few people in this room understand what actually happens when on your smartphone you hit play, and the song that you have in the cloud, whatever that means, is now in your ears, right? I know a few of you understand that, but most of you don't. It's an act of faith. The other thing you do is this. When you push it, you expect something to happen. You expect movement. Do you see that there's a green color around the the uh, triangle? That means go, right? Some of you don't do that, and it frustrates me when I'm behind you at the light. i got to say. <laughs> I just say, it's the pedal on the right. Just push it, please. Green means go. I mean, that's, that's a picture. That, that, that color is important for us. This play button is sort of a visual representation. Those three points boil down a ton of really complex thoughts, and it puts it in a visual reminder for us. Worship, community, share. Those of you who've been around a long time, this is like 101. You've heard this a lot, and you know this. I want to bring some of you up to speed, and I want to just remind you, some of you, of what we are doing here. I want to invite Kel to come on up right now. And um, in terms of the looking back piece this morning, uh, I, Kel, Kel's going to share uh, some of about that, about this looking back piece and, and whatnot. I'm going to bring you a stool up here. That's not what I'm talking about, but why isn't birthday celebrated on conception? Because <laughs> that's when life begins, right? But then we think about, okay, well, actually, we were contemplated before time began, and I think if my children got hold of that, we'd be having birthday party every day. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'll just stick with that. Um, so thanks, Dave. Uh, so... In terms of kind of, as Dave mentioned, kind of looking back and so as far as looking back and and some of the things that Dave was introducing to us in ter- as far as celebrating, uh, first thing that came to my mind and you know, what, what we discussed is, is should we even celebrate? Like, is that, is that actually something we should do? Do we, do we actually see it? Um, and so what came to mind for me and uh, what I just made some notes uh, for us is that actually, yes, we, we see it pretty clearly in Scripture. And the, the model that I, that I thought I'd uh, bring up is the feasts that, uh, that, that the nation of Israel was instructed, uh, instructed by God to, to, uh, you know, to, to hold. Um, and those feasts and those celebrations commemorate things. Um, and so there's there's seven of these festivals, these feasts that go on uh, throughout the year, and then um, they start with and they have specific purpose about you know in, in the in the time of the Israelites that that these these feasts and these celebrations were given they had specific purpose, but they're also very uh, prophetic and and as far as 
they also reflect and, and give us insight into uh, Christ even more, Ron, like this. Okay. Like this. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, so, and it, it starts, and if you look at the, the Jewish calendar, right, it starts with Passover. Um, you know, and this, this has specific meaning, right? It reminds us of redemption from sin. Um, it's practice, right, as, as a remembrance of God, um, you know, protecting the Jews in Egypt as, as uh, the plague, and that the, the, the last plague came on, and that the, it was a covering of the family, that they would be, that they would be protected um, by the covering of the blood of a sacrificial lamb. And that's, that's also prophetic as far as we are covered, and we are protected by the blood of a sacrificial lamb. It goes on from there uh, to, the, to a feast, that, what's called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And this is, this is a reminder uh, because um, uh, that, and, and, and during this uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Jews, they don't eat anything that contains yeast. And yeast we see in 1 Corinthians and Galatians is also a metaphor uh, for sin. And they're instructed to not eat anything that contains yeast. It's a purging um, of, uh, of, of sin from their lives. And then after this is the Feast of First Fruits. Um, and this, this is at the beginning of, of the grain harvest. And it signifies Israel's gratitude and dependence on God that okay we're trusting right that that a that a harvest will come of this um, and then and then during this feast they they take a sheaf of the first uh, of the first grain uh, that's harvested they bring it to the priest and the priest waves it um, as a as a what's called a wave offering and this is this is instructed um, and then we're we're told in First Corinthians that that Christ is the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. Um, and then uh, after 50 days, the, these first three, they happen kind of in, in a little uh, cluster. And then 50 days later, there's the, the, uh, the Feast of Weeks, and it's, it's at the time of Pentecost. And this is celebrated at the end of the grain harvest. Um, and the focus is gratitude to God for the harvest. So this is after it's come. And... Um, and it it reminds us, and part of part of this part of this festival and this celebration is uh, recognizing and reminding us that God told us that He would send a helper. Um, and I think it's no coincidence that the Feast of Weeks occurs 50 days after uh, the the prior feast, the Feast of First Fruits. And um, you know, no surprise, uh, the Holy Spirit was given to us 50 days after the resurrection of Christ. Um, then later on, uh, there's the Feast of Trumpets, and uh, Trumpets is, this is, has, well, all these have layers of meaning, um, but Feast of Trumpets, on one hand, uh, commemorates the, the end of the agricultural season uh, uh, that's going on, but also it's a, it's a uh, call to recognize that there's a reckoning of sins that's coming. Um, and, and that comes on the next feast, uh, uh, in the next celebration, what's called the Day of Atonement. Um, but, it, but on this Feast of Trumpets, this also, this signifies, when we apply this to Christ, it signifies his second coming. And we see the sounding of trumpets, um, not only associated with Christ's second coming, but we also see it, uh, in Revelation in conjunction with God pouring out his wrath. 
Um, and then, as I mentioned, the, the Day of Atonement is 10 days after the, the uh, Feast of Trumpets. And this is the time in which the high priest enters the Holy of Holies and, and makes an offering for the sins of the people of Israel. Um, and, it's in, and for the people, it's a looking forward time also uh, will God, will, when God will re, return uh, in, in, the, in the form of, of uh, Jesus returning and his attention will be turned back to the, to the nation and the people of Israel. Um, and that uh, we read in, in Romans uh, that, the, you know, that this will happen when the full number of the Gentiles has come and all of Israel will be saved. Um, and then the last feast in the year is, is this Feast of Tabernacles, or you also hear it called the Feast of Booths. And um, this is the last of the seven feasts. Uh, they present the, the the Israelites present offerings, uh, but they and they and they also live in huts uh, made of palm branches. And this is recalls a time when they were in the wilderness and they were you know, living in 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 you know, temporary shelters uh, and things. Um, and so, but, and then, and then looking forward, this signifies a time when, at, when we will dwell with Christ in a new Jerusalem. We read about that in Revelation. So you take all this, right? You take all this and you take these celebrations, you take these feasts and they, they're meant to not only commemorate and recognize certain things, but they're also meant to, okay, you know, there's a looking forward um, that, that, that the people, the Jews didn't realize until after Christ came and this all kind of tied together as you know what you know how these how these reflected Christ and, and the looking forward nature of them but that's also what so so when we were talking about this right okay you know 10 years um, here is in our our, our uh, you know, body here that that uh, gathers and worships and, and communes together that is or uh, to look forward to and things like that and I put them in some categories um, first off um, I, I I thought about deliverance, and obviously, when we think about deliverance, we think about our deliver in a in a in a massive way, right? Our our deliverance from sin, um, but maybe you know, kind of as as Ben was saying, right? Our life is a mist and, and things, and um, but so maybe in a little bit of a smaller way, I think about okay, what what is a body, and what is this this small local church? You know, what have we been delivered from? Um, and I think perhaps before the the doors of NBC kind of reopened. Um, you know, there was a deliverance in my mind from temptation that the world uh, would put on because, um, you know, there was a, a small group of people. There was some buildings, some land here. Um, it could be it could have been very easy uh, to take all of this, shut it down, sell it and then. Do something you know, with a pile of, you know, with a pile of money. Um, Dwayne's nodding. He's like, yes, because Dwayne's in real estate. He kind of understands, you know, kind of you know, what's here, um, along with a, num- a number of other people, right? Um, but that 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 could have been a temptation, right? And and I think I think that there was a deliverance, you know, from that temptation. Um, I think he's delivered us from persecution as a body. Um, he's we've we've been allowed. Um, to proclaim the gospel boldly, right, without persecution. It's coming. It's coming. Uh, we're told that, uh, but he's protected us and delivered us from that, uh, you know, uh, and I think we can recognize that and celebrate that. In addition to, uh, to deliverance, um, there's a faithfulness that we've experienced and we should celebrate and recognize. Um, I think he's he's been faithful in in, in allowing us in, 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 uh, to balance Kind of making the word accessible to people who are newly exposed to it, um, and balance that with 
those who might be familiar with the word and, and but are looking for a deepening of their knowledge of the word and their relationship with Christ. Um, and there's there's some faithfulness that I think that comes in that. Um, and then uh, one that's uh, was kind of close to my heart uh, was in the children's ministry. I know, uh, you know, just lots and lots of uh, volunteers in this, but we went through a season of the content of, of that, that was being used uh, and things and, and some yearning for, for content that was, you know, really structured around scripture and things like that. And, and he was faithful in delivering that to us. And I think, you know, um, in, you know, in the formative formative years of the children's ministry lots and lots went into it and then at the at the right time this was given to us and, and as a and i i counted as you know he was faithful to us as we as we cried out for for some content that we thought was appropriate for the time and and did, it doesn't necessarily kind of dumb it down and things like that um and then so in, in addition to deliverance and, and faithfulness i think about provision um i think it's kind of against the odds that uh, and this one is a little bit close to my heart because sometimes I'm the finance guy, right? um, but uh, but you know, kind of against the odds, he's provided you know financially, uh, you know, through the body here, you know, and allowed us to advance kind of what we believe his will to be. You know, we've been able to do things uh, and uh, you know increase you know how much is going toward missions. We've been able to do things and not build up you know, large amounts of staff and things. And that's, you know, I don't, there's no, there's no uh, guesswork in that and, and no luck in that. That's, that, that's been uh, an intention and an, an ask for provision, um, you know, that we've had for many years. Um, and that, that comes with, you know, growing and, and, and the provision of servant leaders that, that you know, every day uh, do things, some that are seen, many that are, you know, not seen um, and things. And then at the same time, uh, you know, and I, I'll, uh, I'll divert to a moment for a moment um, on this one that that many times in trying to discern the will of God, it'd be great. I mean, my wife and I talk about this. It'd be so great just to hear audibly God saying, "Okay, do this, do that." Right? <laughs> that would be easy and great. Um, it's never happened for me. Uh, you know, maybe it's happened for you and things. Uh, so, at the guidance, you know, my my wife uh, for us came up with a prayer that we either, you know, something that we're trying to discern, you know, either bless this or block this. And and I think it's been provision that some of you will remember, and we still see the back lot that for a while we thought that we would be investing in there in this garden and things like that. Um, but and as we went about that, that was blocked uh, and things. And you know, we still yearn for, okay, well, you know, what's what's the meaning of that? What do we do with that? So there's a provision, not of in, not only in, in giving, um, but also in withholding um, that we should that we should be grateful for. We should we should celebrate, um, and things. So so as we celebrate, right? As we as we recognize, as we look back, as we look forward, not only do we see this as something that's given by God, right, and that we should pattern, right, biblically, we should pattern this. Um, but that's then a little application um, that came to mind uh, for me, you know, in the in the in the recent past. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to mention in this patterning 
and again, I don't think this stuff is a mistake, <laughs> um, that, uh, that another thing that we see called out in Scripture, and we see it in the hand of God in creation, is in the land of Israel, right? There's two, there's two, body, there are two significant bodies of water. You have the Sea of Galilee and you have the Dead Sea. And they're, both, they're both fed by the Jordan River, but they have you know, one, one very distinguishing characteristic, that the Sea of Galilee, water flows through it. Um, and and it's a it's a thriving body of water. What's around it is lush uh, and and and, um, and and you know it renews and, and things. Um, and the Dead Sea is kind of just that uh, uh, and things. And it's I don't think it's I think it's designed this way. That um, you know the, that is not something that's that water flows through. It's something. It's a body of water where the it ends. Um, and it's contained, and it, nothing, nothing, you know, it's 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 not it's not uh, vibrant, um, and so a lot of times, uh, and you know, sometimes Dave and Ben on those communication cards and or in their conversations, they'll share with us that many people say that what they find here in this small body is a vibrancy, a a a, a life, you know, a liveliness, um, you know, a yearning and things for the for for you know relationship. Um, and things, and so, and but also, you know, so so I I, I kind of associate that. I like to associate that with okay, kind of Sea of Galilee. The else, but the other thing that happens in Sea of Galilee is people, you know, think the water passes through, and we also recognize that here is that you know, we're not, we don't, we know we're not going to be. Well, there's only one thing that's all things to all people. But in in the in local church, right, we're not trying to be everything. We're trying, you know, and and we know that we're just a small part of the the, the church of you know Silicon Valley, the church of you know the United States, the church of the world, you know, which is you know the the you know that here on earth. But um, but we want to celebrate not only this liveliness and, and this this uh, lushness, but we also want to pa- celebrate the passing through, right, of people who are here for a season, and, and then uh, you know, and then that's part of the liveliness. But I also want to recognize, and my metaphor kind of falls apart here, so bear with me, that because um, this isn't uh, you know that Sea of Galilee and everyone else who's here and who stays and provides that foundation is the Dead Sea. That's not what I'm trying to say, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it all it definitely takes, and I think we should not only celebrate those who are here with us for a season, um, but we should also celebrate you know those who provide a foundation and a steadfastness and things like that that allow all of this to happen um, and things. So I think. Um, you know, as as we look back, there's the, there's kind of two you know aspects to the body, um, but also as we look forward, we should expect the same and we should celebrate the same. Um, we should also know that um, you know there will be people that are here for a season. There will also be you know a constant need, you know, for people who are you know providing and and serving in that kind of those foundational aspects and things like that. Um, so so. Uh, you know, I think we should, in in our celebration and in our looking back and in our looking forward and stuff like that, I just wanted to call some of this to our attention in terms of, um, you know, feasts and celebrations and what we've been delivered and what our provision and faithfulness and also this notion of, you know, we have, um, you know, kind of this, we've been, you know, kind of blessed with, with a, a collection of, of believers, right, that serve in all kinds of different capacities. Thanks. Listen, while we make the transition, Gria's going to come on up. You know, 10 years ago, God saw fit to 
and I would let people know this very openly, <laughs> we have a first-time lead pastor at this church who really doesn't have a clue what he's doing. We have a board of elders that are all first-time elders. Uh, one of the elders' wives, I remember sitting with them in their living room, and she asked the question, are we even old enough to be doing this? Like, should we be doing this? Um, and, and God just saw fit, just really from a place of humility and, and, and dependence, to, to really focus on a couple things. I want you to imagine a toy sailboat that's trying to go along a lake and taking a fan, right, and kind of blowing at it, right? Um, that would give some sort of progress to the, to the boat. If you started to take your mouth and blow on it, that would give a, another sense of it. If you were to take a straw and you were to blow through a straw into the little sail of that little toy sailboat, there'd be some real movement. And one of the driving convictions early on was that we would be very focused on what we were going to be about. At about year eight, um, as elders, we collectively began to have a sense, you know, we need to cry out to God, God, we've been very focused on some things. Is now the time to open up to a lot of different programs and, and a different movement? We're wide open to shifting in some different um, in some different directions. And we went with this idea of heading. Uh, if, if you're you know, a, a sailor or an airline pilot, something like that, you would understand. Basically, it's where, where the nose of the craft is going. And so we just said, God, we're wide open to seeking your face diligently about, about our heading. Should we, should we click it over four degrees to the left or right? Should we maintain course? You tell us. And um, Gria is up here in particular. Uh, he's one of our elders, um, and, and he helped drive sort of the, the process that we went about. So I want you to hear from, from Gria sort of in a, in a looking forward um, motif now. Yeah, so we, uh, as Dave said, we, we, you know, we wanted to just make sure we're not just sort of flailing around, but we are uh, going in a purposeful direction in and in a direction that may or may not be the same as what we've been doing the last eight years. So we just wanted to open ourselves up to, uh, to the Lord for guidance, uh, as well as just do you know, various sort of research activities and prayer and so on, just to see, man, God, Lord, what would you have us do? What, what direction would you have us go in? Is it the same? That's great if it is. Is it a little bit different? Is it very different? So all of these are on the table. Um, so we went through this process, like as Dave mentioned, it started around two years ago or so, um, and, uh, and did sort of a few different, different steps. Um, the first one that, uh, that we wanted to do was uh, the goal there really was to give ourselves uh, sort of the background prayer and the knowledge required uh, for what the church could become. So, uh, so we went on kind of a fact-finding and prayer mission, so we would pray. Uh, we, we, you know, we read the scriptures, some specific passage in the scriptures around what, what, what churches are and what they could be. Uh, we also then went around and did things like um, talk to various churches around San Jose and what are, what are different churches doing? How did they measure success? What are the kinds of things they're going after? Uh, we asked questions such as, you know, what is God doing in San Jose? Um, we also looked at like, what are the great needs around San Jose? Um, uh, whether it's homeless or whatever it might be, like there's just a ton of needs. What are those kinds of needs? Um, we look to it, you know, what is God doing in different continents of the world, including North America? Um, and uh, and also just started thinking, you know, what are long-term planning items that a church could do? Like a church could be a missionary sending church or it could plant other churches, it could grow in place, become a mega church. Like there's lots of different things that one could do. It doesn't mean you should do all of them. 
we also did some uh, some some a little bit of guided reading and and so on um, there so that was uh, the background behind behind what we did um, and then what we from there on we said look that's great there's a lot of different potential things um, that could happen um, but then we asked questions such as what are the talents that God has given our church and so as Look, we're in, a, we're, in a, we're in a given location, right? We have a certain facility. We are, we've been blessed with a certain kind of uh, people, certain types of spiritual capabilities, etc. cetera. Um, and just looking to it, man, like, how is God currently moving? There's something to be said about going completely against what God is doing um, that you really have to question. Um, and, then, and then we looked at, lots of, again, lots of different areas and different things that we could do or we could become. So we could become... A knowledge church, like man, we're just gonna drive knowledge, and that's the only thing we'll do. Or, uh, or we'll be a soul-winning church, so altar calls every single week, you know, th- those kinds of things. Art, we could be super artistic. Like, there's just lots of different things that we could do. Um, and we landed on uh, on three, actually, um, on three different ones. And uh, and Dave and I will sort of uh, we'll talk about these, and there will be a much more in-depth discussion of, on these three things uh, next week. So the first one is around the church being simple. Um, and, uh, and this is really like saying no to many things so we can say yes to key things. I don't know if you want to talk about that a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, and again, we'll, we'll flesh these out. What, what does that mean for budget? What does that mean for staff? What does that mean for program and facility and usage and even philosophy of ministry um, but one of the things we, we decided was um, God's really blessed these first eight years. He gave us a vision to not be all things to all people, as Kel kind of shared. There's a ton of great churches doing a ton of great ministries. They're on our team. So if you really want this program or that program, we have joyfully sent people to other churches that are already doing that. That gives us leverage to be a really um, more nimble church that's able to respond and and um, and do that. So that's what simple and, and aligned kind of has to do. Yeah, with and, a, and a great example there is you know like VBS for example. Why wouldn't you guys have VBS? Like, VBS is a great program, and there's lots of churches that are doing it. For our church, we we just won't do it because we want to say yes to some other that's right. things, right? That's, that's a right. great example. Um, the next thing that you know, as you look around our church, and you can't deny uh, that family is uh, is just we're just a family church, and that can mean a lot of different things. Um, but certainly, it applies to it applies to our church. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, one of the things that um, you know, if if you have a family dinner, uh, I, I warn people. I, I want you to come and enjoy a meal at my house. Uh, it will be loud. There will be spilling. Um, and and you may not get a seat if you don't get there early. So <clears throat> there's a certain vibe to NBC, and, and we're okay with that. It, it affects our budget. Um, it actually, so, and, and, and in a family, I want you to think Thanksgiving meal. We love the generations coming together, and there are, uh, there are gracious forbearance that goes on young to old, old to young with that, um, and I mean that spiritually and in age. Um, there are some new believers here, brand new believers, who are in our midst, and we celebrate that and we welcome that. So again, we'll talk more about that. But we're we're a family church. It's a good explanation. Great, yeah. And then the the final thing that that again, you, you can't deny that that's happening. And and what we see that we something we want to encourage is how 
all of our members are using their gifts. So we nurture each disciple to use their gifts so we can be all that we can be. And as you look around our church, hopefully you see how how everybody is able to to serve in the ways that they've been gifted and how we how we encourage that. Um, so and, and this is a process. So that means <laughs> discovering where you're gifted, trying things, giving given opportunity. We very much see leadership as not rushing out and doing all the ministry. We don't hire a bunch of experts. The experts are right here. They're the people filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, and so, again, we'll, we'll flesh out how that looks. Some of you have experienced this and know what we're talking about. In an ideal world, everyone is using their gifts and functioning, and that's why we all are where we are. We're a church in process, so we're, we're moving toward that. We're going to continue moving toward that. And so given these three sort of key items that, that we came up with, um, we then went ahead and we've, we've reviewed every single ministry at NBC um, in light of simple, in light of family, in light of all members using gifts. And we talked through um, just some basic things like how, how things are going, but also like what would your ministry look like if things were firing on all cylinders? Uh, what should we, in, you know, in, in light of simple, like what should we stop and, and, put, and put on hold so that, so that other parts, and more strategic parts of the ministry uh, could grow? Or if things like people or money or facility weren't an issue, what would happen? How would that ministry uh, look like? So just kind of lifting the, the lid and just brainstorming and, and talking through each, each ministry. And we've had some, some, great, uh, some great conversations, um, I think. You'll also see that um, our budget is now also done in light of you know in light of these these thoughts, um, and certainly we're, you know we're continuing to pray and, and seek direction, um, you know in light of these uh, these vision these heading items that we've been uh, that we've been discussing and working through. So I think that that covers it. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Rio. Listen, let me invite the band uh, to come on back up, and um, we want to. We want to just sing one song. It's called God of Miracles. And um, <clears throat> we're going to let this sort of lead into a time where we'll get to pray corporately in a couple of specific areas. Um, so let's sing, and then uh, we'll wrap up our service with some, with some prayer. I'm going to give you uh, from scripture three I wills that will kind of direct our prayer time right now and they're sort of a good takeaway uh, as well. We're going to pray in, in two different segments and the first one is, uh, is just this. Ethan, if you could switch back over please to keynote, um, is to celebrate and remember um, and just to keep these prayers focused on, on adoration and thanksgiving. Psalm 7712 says this, I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. The Caldering Prayer is to stop your life and think. Think about what's gone on these last 10 years. What have you delivered us from? What are you doing in our life? There's, there's such joy in that. The second I will is from Psalm 9. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. Kel said it well, there's different vantage points in here. And some of the faces I look around, I remember you being in this building on our very first service 10 years ago as Neighborhood Bible Church. Some of you I've met within the last few weeks. And here we find ourselves. Here God has us. So the way we're going to do this is this. Um, 
if you're able, if you're comfortable, if you want to, I'd invite you to get on your knees. I know there's not a ton of room, um, but we're not going to spend any time other than just lifting up our voices. I want many people in this church praying. Some of you will lead out vocally so that we can hear you. If you're praying, um, would you please just pray loud enough that we can kind of join in? And if two of you launch out at the same time, give way. One of you will pray, then the other one can pray. Okay. So let's pray. We're going to take about uh, four minutes on this right here. So just pray, and then I'll lead us into a a, a closing time uh, as well. Church, let's move into a time of... um, just holy discontent. It's just a time of confession and supplication. Psalm 51 says this, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. And as a church, we know that we're so not done. There are hundreds of families represented right next door at John Muir Middle School. We're prone as a people to take our eyes off of the one who is keeping us afloat like Peter walking on the water. And so, God, I pray just now as we confess in our hearts, as we call out collectively, uh, and as we make supplication, God, for you to continue to lead us, Lord, thank you for hearing us. Let's pray. God, as a church family, we are yielded. Our bodies are in line with our hearts, with our minds, with our will. Before you, God, in complete dependence, I pray the memory of this morning as a church family comes and just seeks your face and is thrilled to be called according to your purposes, God. God, we've placed our whole hope, we've placed everything as individuals and collectively as a church in your hands. We thank you that you're faithful. I gave you two I wills already. I will ponder the work. I will give thanks to the Lord. And I close our time this morning by reading Isaiah 63, 7, which says this, I will tell of the kindnesses of the Lord the deeds for which he is to be praised. According to all that the Lord has done for us, yes, the many good things he has done for the house of Israel, according to his compassion and many kindnesses. And God, with that, we give you praise. We pray that our thoughts would be in line with the things that you've done and are going to do. We pray that, God, our hearts would be grateful And Lord, even as we spill out of here, would we continue in praise of you by speaking about your goodnesses to us as a church? In Jesus' name, amen.